0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bailey is tracked down for a short loss. Jamarco Thomas.
1: It's like a missile. It's a heat-seeking
0: missile to the football. Charles finding someone, directing his body, and trying to run through that person. An explosive safety. For some programs, maybe it doesn't
1: mean as much. For this Syracuse program, it means a lot.
0: What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from allsyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network, with episode 13 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast, presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. No Shamarco Thomas for this episode, but our always capable internet sensation, Kyle Leff, producer extraordinaire, is here. So we are in good hands. Kyle has some strong opinions about Syracuse and Clemson. Kyle, how are you doing today?
1: You know, I am doing well knowing that I can finally let out my ranting. Uh, I know that I I know that I, I texted you just after the game had ended saying I'm excited to talk about this today because, wow, wow, that's why I feel strongly about this. Uh, you had sitting, to wait two whole days, too. I had to wait two whole days. So sitting third row back uh, in, in, a, in a strong section cheering for SU, watching that game, uh, made my blood boil. Uh, To the point where I was so sad that I ordered a pizza and sat and watched a movie that I didn't understand the language of it. Um, And I sat there and was like, this is my life now. And I was sad.
0: I'm picturing like a, um, you know, one of those romantic comedy movies where, you know, the couple that's trying to get together and like. One of the couple rejects the other one initially and the one who gets rejected is sad and they're sort of sulking and watching these cheesy like, you know, love movies and being sad that they're not part of that of a love story like that. And they're eating ice cream with like mounds of chocolate sauce and they're or they're eating leftover pizza over the sink and just crying and sobbing uncontrollably. I'm picturing you doing all of that after Friday night's game.
1: That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, and I cannot wait to get into this. Um, there, was a, there was a lot to break down. I know there's a lot. I mean, there's news that happened tonight, too, we might discuss. It's,
0: it's going to be a wild episode. But before we get to that, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100 welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up don't forget to use promo code NFL 100 bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports bet online your online sports book expert yes it is so let's let's start by just giving your overall thoughts on the loss of Without going too crazy, because we got a lot of specifics to discuss in this one.
1: Well, my overall thoughts on the loss is that we should be 7-0. and I think that's, I said it last week, we should be 6-0. and Exact same thing. We should be 7-0. and That is, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, I don't know where the game plan was for us. I looked at it. And I know we'll discuss it. But the game plan just, it wasn't an SU game plan. It felt like. Dino was trying to coach a different, he was trying to coach Dungy. He wasn't trying to coach Schrader. And I'm sorry, Eric Dungey's currently not in the building. So what are you doing? I, I, I don't even, I don't even know where to start. That's, I just, we should be seven and zero, and I don't know where the coaching game plan was for really the offense. I, I don't know where it was.
0: So to me, the the game came down to two plays and Even with all of that, you know, there are decisions that we'll discuss, missed opportunities that we'll discuss. Um, And, you know, a couple of performances. Obviously, we have to praise Sean Tucker some more because how could you not? Um, But to me, this game came down to two plays. The first was the interception in the first quarter that Garrett Schrader threw right after Sean Tucker's 54-yard run. Big, huge run from Sean Tucker. gets Syracuse down inside the 30-yard line. They look like they're poised to strike first. The game was 0-0 at that point. And the very next play, instead of feeding Tucker again, they call a pass play. And Schrader, for basically the first time since he's been the starter, made a decision Even when he hasn't thrown the ball well, usually where he goes with the ball, you can understand what he's seeing. And he makes smart decisions, takes care of the football. This one, he forced it into coverage. It gets intercepted inside uh, the the 15-yard line. And so instead of Syracuse continuing to march and at a minimum having a field goal attempt on that drive, they turn it over and... That just seemed to take a little bit of the spark out of the offense, I think. And then the second play was the fake punt. Oh, the fake punt! Oh, don't we'll, talk about don't talk about that play. Don't. Do we'll, it. Get, we'll get into that uh, a little bit more when we when we uh, break down uh, how the how the defense performed overall in this one. But uh, that was late first half. Um, Clemson, uh, or the game was tied at seven, I believe, at that point. And Clemson had a fourth down just inside of midfield. And it was, it was a fourth and short. I don't remember the exact yardage, but it wasn't like a fourth and 15 or anything like that. And they lined up in kind of a weird formation. Clemson did. And my first thought was that's a very odd formation. And Syracuse left its defense out there. Clemson fakes the punt throw the punter throws to the the wide receiver I guess is about a six-six guy. Uh, found out after the fact, and he makes a catch. Clemson gets a first down and turns that into a touchdown before the half ends to take a fourteen-to-seven lead at the half. Uh, those two plays to me were were just backbreakers because in a game that was decided by three points, you took points off the board from Syracuse in one in one spot and put points on the board for Clemson in the other. Um, you know, I, I think if. If even one of those two plays goes Syracuse's way, Syracuse probably wins the game. But having both go against you, it made it that much more difficult against a team that doesn't give up points. And yet Syracuse still had a chance to win at the end of the game. So that's that's my first overall thought. I was going to start. After that, we start getting the specifics going into a rant about the quarterback situation because there were a lot of calls for Syracuse to switch over to Tommy DeVito in this game because of Garrett Schrader's struggles throwing the football, which we will discuss. Um, And so I was going to go on a rant about why that doesn't make sense and you don't go back and forth. And it was the first time that Schrader has really struggled to get the offense to move the ball. Um, in his four starts and it was against the team that was number two in the nation in fewest points allowed coming in. And I think they were 20th in terms of total defense. This is an elite defense with NFL talent all over it. I was going to break all of that down. Now I don't need to because Tommy DeVito was in the transfer portal. Um, he announced Sunday night that he is, that his intentions are to um, enter the transfer portal which is an about face from um, public comments he made just 10 days prior to that about wanting to stick it out and support his teammates. Um, So there's not going to be any question about whether or not Syracuse should consider going back to DeVito going forward because he's not going to be there. Um, So rather than me going on a further rant about that, I'll just turn it over to you and get your thoughts on DeVito deciding to leave. I mean, my
1: thoughts are, it makes sense why he wants to leave that he His position was taken. I mean, Schrader won the QB one spot fair and square. DeVito had his chances early in the season to prove it. Didn't look good. Uh, Then his number one weapon, Taj Harris, entered the transfer portal. Taj is on his way out. And all of a sudden he's like, well, the guy I can target is gone. The team clearly is rallying around Sean Tucker, this Heisman candidate. I'm clearly not in the good graces of whatever's going on here. And I'm not clearly going to win QB1 back. Even with Schrader having a bad game, he still had a better bad game than DeVito's bad games are. So I should leave. But the thing is, where is he going to go? I honestly don't know. I know he made the comparison to him with being like Tua and Jalen Hurts with Schrader um, in an interview with ESPN Syracuse. But what I don't get the comparison. Tua and Jalen Hurts had NFL talent. And Old could go to start something. as in the NFL right now and both had talent to go start a different college. What college is gonna want DeVito? Like yes, we love him, but where is he gonna go?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. That's it's gonna be really interesting to see where where he he lands um in his next stop because you know, it's it's not like when he played early, he did something to change, I think, what people's... People that had a negative opinion of Tommy DeVito, I don't think they saw anything in the first few games that he played in that changed their opinion. Uh, conversely, I think those that still believed in DeVito, I don't think anything he did in the first three games changed their mind either. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where that plays out. It's tailgating season, and no one does it better than Hoffman's Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, Kabasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Now, in the same vein, um, the passing offense for Syracuse. And it, it really struggled, really struggled against Clemson now if DeVito the last thing we'll say on DeVito if he wasn't going to get put into a game in this one when the passing offense was struggling as much as it was when you had an elite defense that was putting nine guys in the box to try to stop your rushing attack and despite that by the way Syracuse still ran for 165 yards which is the most Clemson has given up on the ground all season uh, including Georgia Georgia also did not muster an offensive touchdown against Syracuse. Georgia would be the number one team in the country. Uh, I'm sorry. Georgia didn't muster an offensive touchdown against Clemson in their week one game. Um, Syracuse scored two. So I think by the transitive property, Syracuse's offense is better than the number one team in the country. Am I, I I think that's, I think that's that's, how it works. That's that's science. That's exactly how it works. That's science. That's math. And you can't argue with math. So um, (laughs) all, all that nonsense aside, Syracuse's offense, uh, passing offense in this game, really, really struggled. And I do think that Garrett Schrader uh, deserves a chunk of the blame on that. And and he admitted as much after the game that, that he knows that he didn't play well uh, throwing the football. And we, we knew coming into this game, that's his biggest weakness. He clearly needs to spend all off season with a quarterback guru, just working on his throwing motion, working on his accuracy on those intermediate and deep passes uh, to try to make, he doesn't have to be an elite passer, but if you could just make him average, then he just becomes such a weapon because of what he can do with his legs. And then the biggest issue, the other issue besides that, was that when he did make good throws, far too many drops. There were a couple of drops where the ball was, you know, maybe a little bit behind him, wasn't a perfect pass, but still catchable. And in games where you're playing a team that has an elite defense like this, that doesn't give you many opportunities to move the ball and get into scoring position, you have to take advantage of those chances. There were drops on third down plays. There were drops on second down that would have either made it a third and short or given you a first down and prevented a third down from coming up too many drops, too many erratic throws. Um, I didn't think the offensive line was really an issue in terms of the passing game. I really thought it was just the quarterback to wide receiver connection that just didn't work outside of the 62 yard pass to Trevor Pena.
1: I, I completely agree with everything you said this the blame for the offense is going on Schrader. He didn't make a lot of passes. There's a lot of drops everywhere by receivers, as you said. But that wasn't just for SU. That was also for Clemson. There was four or five passes that Justin Ross dropped that like, were not tough passes to catch. He just flat out dropped. And the exact same thing happened, as you said, the SU offense. I mean, it was a, a bunch of throws behind guys, a bunch just past them, weird spots. He was just missing passes left, right, and center. It was just an off game. Like, yes, we know Schrader isn't the best quarterback. We've kind of accepted that. And we know we can run the ball well. But when you block the box nine guys and you load it up, you're going to have to pass the ball at some point. And he just couldn't do that. And I think this is the first game where I will admit the SU team missed Taj Harris. That yes. I think having a number one receiver right now would have helped. That it felt like Quealy and Jackson and Johnson and Alford all of them just couldn't get open enough. Just a little bit more open would have helped. And that's where Taj, he's better than them. We we know that. He that little extra little bit of Taj
0: would have helped. Um yeah, because there were there were passes in this game that were dropped by um, Jackson, by Sherrod Johnson and and you know a couple others that were situations where um, if Taj is still on this team, I think a lot of those routes go to him. And, yeah. and a lot of those situations are where you're targeting him. Now that would have, would have caused Clemson to focus on him in terms of their coverage. But then that means the top corner is covering Taj. They're no longer covering Queeley or Alfred you're getting, you know, it sort of goes down a little bit. Clemson's defensive backs are fantastic. Their corners are elite. they, uh, their linebackers are unbelievable. Their linebackers are faster than most people's defensive backs. I mean, they, they have an elite defense. We know all of that. But that doesn't – this wasn't a situation where, A, receivers just couldn't get open and therefore Schrader had nowhere to go with the ball. Yes, there were times where that happened. But the bigger issue in this game was that when guys were open – Schrader either didn't get it to them because he threw the ball in the dirt or threw it over their heads or was, you know, just off by he was wide. There was one play that I remember they ran kind of a little um, quick, almost quick. Quasi slant slash screen to Devon Cooper, who's a reserve slot receiver, and it was one of those where he kind of started like he was going to go to an outside route and then comes back across to the middle and you've got your outside receiver and your tight end start blocking to try to pave the way once he catches the ball and Schrader through the ball. Very quickly, but he rocketed it instead of putting a little touch on it and it ended up being slightly high and Cooper wasn't able to hang on to the ball that I don't think was Cooper's fault that I think was an issue with Schrader throwing the ball, but just as an example of the missed opportunities when you watched the play. Clemson didn't have an extra defender over to that side of the field and the two defenders that were there were being blocked so Cooper was going to have a huge gain the only way he wasn't going to score is if the safety that was on the other side of the field was able to chase him down which given the speed Clemson's defense has is certainly possible but at a minimum you would have been inside the Clemson red zone and instead Syracuse didn't end up doing anything with that drive. So that's just that's just an example of an opportunity where you had to make a play. The right play call was made. Everything was set up perfectly and the execution wasn't there. You had other situations where Schrader did make a catchable pass and it was dropped that stalled drives. It's, you know, as as good as Clemson is, there were still opportunities for the offense to make more plays in the passing game.
1: I completely agree. And there also was one play that I want to highlight, which would have been a great pass, but Schrader put it just too far, put it a little bit out of bounds. And that was on the Alford pass on the Clemson sideline. It was beautiful, amazing catch. He was just out of bounds. And then he drops it when he hits the ground because he got the wind knocked out of him. That it was just too far. That everything felt just off. That it was every pass is a little bit high, a little bit too a little bit too much mustard on a little too much English on it. That it was just problems here or there that, like, if one or two of those is completed, it helps us go forward. And I'm going to say it. This game sh- wasn't a shootout. Like, a shootout is a high-scoring affair. That's, that wasn't this. And I, I understand they were blocking the box, and I know we'll discuss it in a second. But I don't get why we passed the ball 37 times. I, I honestly don't. That's yeah. I know we'll discuss it in a bit. And we'll change subjects, but that's I, – I, I am at a loss for words with that one.
0: I don't want to change that. Actually, I'm, that's exactly where I was going next. That's an elite segue by you, by the way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but to your point, 37 pass attempts, 30 rushing attempts. Now, I know that there is the drive at the end of the game that, that factors into that some. But in a game that was close throughout – Garrett Schrader should not have 15 more passing attempts than Sean Tucker has rushing attempts. And the biggest issue was Syracuse held Clemson to three points in the entire second half. They held them scoreless, um, scoreless. in the, I don't remember when Clemson's fourth quarter, I Clemson's think it was field Clemson's goal was in the fourth quarter, I believe. So because, because I believe that both teams were scoreless in the third.
1: Yeah. Their field goal um, came, uh, in to be exact, the beginning of the fourth quarter, they scored with 9.22 left. Right. Uh, that was so, a field goal. We then scored a touchdown right afterwards.
0: Right. So, so the so Clemson was shut out for the third quarter on Syracuse's offensive possessions in the third quarter when a score, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, and given how close the game was at the end, it would have been such a huge, um, such a huge. Uh, had such a huge impact on the final score, potentially given Syracuse uh, the win. You gave the ball to Sean Tucker. He had three rushes in the third quarter. Three. And yet Garrett Schrader threw the ball several times. And that can't happen. Um, You you can't have that huge disparity in terms of um, not giving the ball to the guy who is clearly your best player. And again, I get the fact that Clemson was stacking the box. They were trying to take Sean Tucker away, especially because he had that 54 yard run early, but you can't go away from him. You have to still find ways to get him the ball. And, you know, to, to prove this. So he, he had three carries. Uh, Tucker had three carries in the third quarter. Uh, Schrader attempted seven passes in the third quarter, but was also sacked a couple of times. So they dropped back to throw it nine times and only ran it three times with Tucker. So you're throwing the ball three times as much as you're running it when you're a run based offense. And to your point with the game plan, as you mentioned early in the season or early in this episode, that goes away from what the offense has been the last three weeks. And, you know, you were having success running the ball. You ran for 165 yards. You averaged over five yards a carry in this game. So that, that to me was just, you know, I, I thought it was a, a real hindrance to Syracuse's offensive uh, performance. The fact that they went away from Tucker as much as they did in the third quarter. I mean, it was a huge hindrance.
1: Uh, Trader ran the ball 29 times against Wake Forest. He ran it seven times against Clemson. And most of those were just him scrambling because he just didn't have anywhere to go with it. And so we tried running for a yard or two and got caught. Like he didn't attempt to run the ball and Tucker wasn't given the ball enough. Yes. He had a 54 yard run, which was amazing to watch. Take that away. He had 4.9 yards to carry. That is a lot. Every carry that is nearly every two runs, a first down, just about that. He was, there was multiple plays where he busts out an eight, nine yard run. And it was like, oh, he broke like four tackles to do that. He was having himself a game. Man wasn't like sitting down, taking it. Like he was having a game. We discussed it, that that was how we're going to beat them is just by running through them. And it was, it clearly worked. I mean, he had a 54 yard run where he ran through the defense. And then 54 yards later, you decide, oh, we're going to pass the ball now. no. Give it to him again. Their defense just got rocked on a run. Do it one more time. Like once more. Do it again. Do it again. Like that is what our team is, is ground and pound. Here every three yards, okay. Have an RPO and have a trader take it. Have him follow Elmore. There was multiple blocks where Chris Elmore like leveled a guy. Do it again. Why not? I don't understand the, oh, we're going to a, be a passing team this week. with Sean Tucker as our secondary. That's not what we are. We're not built like that. That's what we were with Dungy. We were built as a pass first, give us Dungy second offense. And this week it was pass first straighter, give it a tucker second. And that's just not who we are. We've seen, we saw it against wake that we, when we run the ball, we can win a game. We just lost the game on multiple things. You were there. Whatever. Not getting into that anymore. It, I don't get where Dino's head was at in this game. Yes, as you said, their linebackers run faster than most DBs do. Yes, their defensive line is as athletic as you'll ever see for SU. Yes, their cornerbacks are as good as you'll get. Safeties are amazing. Doesn't matter. That doesn't mean you go away from your game plan if the one thing you do is run the ball well. Again, we said it last week. I'm going to say it again. They had not seen a guy as good as Sean Tucker is. Okay, they held Georgia. To uh, just over 100 yards. Cool, whatever. That's not Sean Tucker. They don't have Sean Tucker. Run the dang ball. It's not rocket science.
0: No, and and to your point, it's not like the offensive line was getting manhandled. No, they game. weren't. They, they actually, and especially because you lost Chris Bleich um, it, in this game, and you had Kalen Ellis, the freshman, come in. I mean, the fact that you had a freshman in there. Um, you had all these guys, and they're playing against NFL-caliber players in, on Clemson's front seven, and they still averaged over five yards a carry for the game and, and ran the ball as well as they did. I think, A, is very encouraging for where the offensive line is going, but B, just proves this team can run on anyone, and it doesn't matter what you do as far as stacking the box. Now, if, if Garrett Schrader had proven that he was you know, even an average thrower of the football, I don't necessarily have a problem with trying to counter Clemson stacking the box by throwing the ball a little bit more with some rollouts and play actions and things like that to try to take advantage of of those opportunities, but he's not that. And so you can't rely, you're not going to win games with him throwing the ball nearly 40 times a game. That's just not his strength. That's a limitation for him. Um, And yeah, so I, I think that that hurt them. Um, You know, the first half, I thought the balance was fine and they had seven points at the half. They should have had at least seven more before that interception stalled the drive. And so if you're talking about a team that had 10 or 14 points at the half against this Clemson team, I think you feel pretty good about that, um, given how good that defense is. But the second half, the game plan changed and went away from some of what was working. And I don't think they figured that out until, you know, sort of midway through the fourth quarter when they got back to that. And that's when they scored a touchdown after uh, some successful runs. And then they were able to get that long touchdown pass. Um, and then, you know, on their last drive where they moved the ball a little bit, they, they got back to some of what they they do well. But, um, you know, from all of that negative. The one of the positives from this game, aside from Sean Tucker, which we'll discuss, was the performance of the defense. Oh, they played amazingly. They were they were fantastic, and so I think there was there was some question about whether or not Syracuse's defense was actually for real after giving up uh, 33 points to Florida State and 40 to Wake Forest. And I get the concern because the thought was how much of the defense's um, statistics were because you were playing Ohio and Albany and, and Rutgers, which doesn't have a very good offense and those types of things. But um, despite the fact that Clemson has struggled offensively all season, they had two weeks to prepare for this game. Syracuse had less than a week because it was a short week. And yet the defense was still fantastic. Uh, They held Clemson to 17 points. Um, seven of which was because of a special team's play uh, with the fake punt. Uh, They held Clemson to under 200 passing yards, 198 to be exact, Uh, just 314 yards overall for the game, Um, 116 rushing yards, just three yards of carry. The only thing they didn't do was they didn't get a a turnover. That Mm -hmm. was the thing. Uh, Syracuse had their turnover. They couldn't get one from Clemson. And so as much as they had that pressure on, um, on DJ, whose last name I'm not going to try to pronounce, um, as much as they had that, they, they couldn't get that one big play that they needed to turn the ball over and give their offense a short field.
1: And the worst thing is, it almost happened. There was a punt that the punt, that the punt returner for Clemson muffed that they mm-hmm. nearly recovered. If that happens, we get the ball, like I think it was the seven and it's an immediate shock to the system. And we have the ball. We're going to get points regardless, like, or maybe not. We'll discuss that in a second. <laughs> um, but at that point you say, okay, we're getting points here. This is an immediate win for the team. And they held the, the big weapon. The one we discussed last week, they held Justin Ross to 51 yards on five catches they held the tight end Allen to eight catches, 49 yards. He had himself a good game, but eight catches, 49. I'll take that all day. I will take that all day for a guy who I think that's the six foot six guy, I believe. And then he's the Nada. one that caught the fake punt. Yes. And then uh, Nada. that was his longest reception of the game, by the way. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Nada, who is their top receiver this year, who was their deep threat. was wildly good. At what he does only had one catch. And that was the touchdown that, hurt to see happen um if his foot was an inch higher he's out of bounds i that may be the most painful play i've ever seen it comes very close to the wake forest touchdown uh last week but that's here or there um the defense just played really well i mean they the defense did what they had to do they kept the guys in front of them for clemson they didn't let anyone get past them on a deep shot the longest reception as you said was 23 yards that's not crazy far I mean, we had at least two plays longer than that last peak. Like, we did really, really well on defense,
0: and Clemson Running, didn't have yeah. a single run over 15 yards. So, Syracuse minimized the explosive plays that Clemson's offense uh, could produce. And and the more you can force them to try to move the ball, uh, you know, play after play after play, the more that that they're going to struggle. And Syracuse's pressure uh, on the opposing quarterback really helps them out there. Uh, but but to your point, and then the other the other thing. You know, as far as how well the defense played, that touchdown pass to Nada, Deuce Chestnut had amazing coverage. It was just a fantastic oh, it play. it was perfect. But Syracuse didn't have Garrett Williams for the entire second half. No, we don't he know went him. out hurt early. Right. He went out early um, on the fake punt, actually, um, because Jihad Carter collided with him uh, when they were trying to defend the pass. And so you don't have your top cover corner, who is a high first or second round NFL draft pick. And you still hold them to just three points in the second half. Keep them out of the end zone. Give yourselves a chance to come back. And um, as far as Garrett Williams goes, we don't have an update on his status. Uh, We don't know what his situation is um, as of the recording of this episode. But, you know, I, I think Syracuse proved that even though they're going up against very talented receivers like Justin Ross and Nada, that they're they were more than fine even without having Garrett Williams out there. So I, I was, I was encouraged by the fact that defense performed that well with Clemson having a bye week to prepare specifically for this defense and that the front four continued to get pressure on the opposing quarterback. I think that's very encouraging uh, when you start looking at the rest of the schedule, because the teams that they're going to be playing don't have those talented weapons that you, that you're going to have to worry about.
1: Agreed. And also, I don't know if this is right, and ESPN could be wrong on the stats that I'm looking at. They have it that Garrett Williams had seven tackles. And as you said, he didn't play the second half. He might have been on pace for like 40 tackles in this game. Like, I didn't realize that until now, but that would have been a crazy game to see him have. Um, Syracuse Athletics'
0: official box score confirms that, by the way.
1: Okay. So he had seven tackles through whatever quarter he left. I believe it was the, the second quarter he left the game, which is the fake punt. So he probably would have ended with like 14, 15 tackles. He would have led the team. Jones had 11 to lead the team. He would have had double digits somewhere. He would have been a stud. He probably would have helped us, If like obviously. Um, also, the defense kept pace with Clemson, all things considered. Clemson had two sacks and six tackles for loss. We had two sacks, five tackles for loss. I mean, we kept pace. We did the exact same that they did. We there was We should have legitimately had the exact same score after regulation. That's just how the game was. It was an even game. Both sides, the exact same thing. Uyunglele, the quarterback you don't know how to pronounce, apparently, just didn't have – you have the same game Schrader did. that. It was a back and forth, just not a lot of – deep. like not a lot of things going their way. A couple of plays here or there that work well, and the defense at certain points, missing a tackle or two that lead them downfield, and then the two touchdowns happen. It just – as you said, the one thing we lacked was a turnover and we just did not get it. There was, it was not going to come from anybody on the team. I, you couldn't tell where it was going to come from. I mean, even on the sacks, we really held held to that ball. He knew to not turn the ball over on every pass play. It felt like there wasn't going to be a pick. It, it just wasn't our day in terms of turnovers. And it hasn't been all year. And that's been the one weakness of this defense has been turning the ball over. The one guy has been able to do it is deuce chestnut. Um, but it's just it hasn't happened and it hurts. And the fact that the one turnover for us came on a really bad play after a really, really electrifying run. I mean, it was one play, 54-yard run, Sean Tucker. It's all of a sudden like first play from like first play SUS in the drive. It's like, oh my gosh, give him the ball again, give him the ball again. Pass it interception. And that was the end of the first quarter. And as it happened, it was like 30 seconds left. I said, I'm going to go get pizza now. And I walked away. I was like, I don't want to see what happens. I'm going to get pizza. And I walked away and left to get pizza. I was like, I can't, I, I don't want to see how this turns out because it was like, at that point I knew it's just not going to
0: happen today. Is it? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was one of those where it felt like, again, uh, much like we discussed previously. And I think it was the same story against Rutgers where they held Rutgers to just 17 points that, they did everything except get that turnover Um, two, two quick things before we move on to the next topic. One um, I normally do not have an issue pronouncing names. I don't know what it is about DJ, but I just, I can't, I've practiced. It just doesn't go well. So I'm not going to try. Uh, for example, one of my favorite player names of all time is Chris Fuamatu Maafala. He used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Love that. Love the name. Just amazing. But I digress the fake punt, the fake punt. I watched that about three or four times, um, went home after the game, pulled up, watch ESPN rewatched that specific play. And I watched the live play as well as the, the replays that they showed following it. And um, my opinion is that the Syracuse coaching staff did a good job by keeping their defense out there. They clearly were, of the mindset that there's going to be a fake, which is why they had the defense out there. When the play starts, the defensive backs on that side of the field, Garrett Williams and Jihad Carter, both recognize the fact that there was a fake and they immediately ran to cover. David Allen, I believe, is his name, um, the 6'6 uh, uh, tight end, and they immediately ran to cover him. Because they thought that that's where the ball was going, which is where it was. And when Clemson's punter, Will Spears, threw the ball. um, Both Williams and Carter reacted, but they reacted as if this is a quarterback who is going to throw the ball, leading the receiver to a certain spot. And he didn't. He underthrew the ball significantly, which Syracuse was not prepared for. And so they were trying to defend it as if it was going to be a good pass. And because it was such a poor pass, it was so underthrown. Allen stopped, jumped up and snatched the ball. His height was clearly a huge benefit to him um, on that play. And he was able to grab the ball out of midair. Both Williams and Carter were... Just behind him, anticipating the ball being thrown a little bit further downfield. So, I think there was recognition by the coaching staff and the players that this was going to happen. And it was just almost unfortunate that the pass was just as underthrown as it was. And I think that played a huge part into why Syracuse didn't uh, knock the ball down and get possession. That said, it's time to talk about something positive, as in addition to the defensive performance, and that is the guy who should be the Heisman front runner, in Sean Tucker. He is having a season that is he's going to break the single season Syracuse rushing record. He's going to have one of the best seasons in Syracuse football history against a team that was one of the best in terms of defending the run in the country coming in. He runs for 157 yards, averaging over seven yards a carry, 20 more yards receiving. He's now number two in the nation in all purpose yards behind a wide receiver from Western Kentucky. He's number two in the nation in rushing yards uh, behind guy from Michigan state. He was just tremendous in this game again. And Again, it doesn't matter what teams do when they stack the box, when they focus on taking him out of the game, he's still going to have success. And I think if you're looking for silver linings, Syracuse is not going to be playing a defense that's as talented as, as what they just did. And despite Clemson's entire game plan being centered around stopping Sean Tucker, they still couldn't. They could not.
1: And this stat came out uh, before the game on Friday, and I did not see it until afterwards because Sean Tucker posted about it. Uh, this was obviously, again, before the game. SU's Sean Tucker currently has 791 yards, rushing yards, 204 receiving yards, and 11 touchdowns. Uh, per David Hale, the last five power back with 750, 210 through six games was my favorite NFL, my favorite player of all time. Reggie Bush during his Heisman season in 2005. Take that into context here. Reggie Bush, who many consider to have had one of the greatest rushing seasons of all time, one of the best college seasons of all time by any player. Sean Tucker is currently beating his numbers. That is wild. Like, if, if you say that, he should not only be put in the conversation, but for some reason, he's not. The only reason you can think of is because SU isn't seven and zero. If we're seven and zero, Sean Tucker is a Heisman the front runner by a mile. Like the, the preseason candidate Spencer Rattler, who's having a very similar season to Tommy DeVito, is currently yeah, going to transfer out of Oklahoma. He was benched by Caleb Williams, and the, the fans cheered when Williams was announced the starter. Like it's in it's in disarray for Rattler. I I don't see who's better than Sean Tucker. In all honesty, I mean he's leading the nation in rushing. A defense. One of the top defenses in the nation set up to defend him and him alone. And he still broke for 157. That takes skill. He's so good at what he did. As I said, there was multiple runs of like eight, nine yards where he just, I don't know how he found his way there, but he found his way there. It was like watching Reggie Bush. It was like this season watching Alvin Kamara for the Saints. It's just, you don't know how he does it, but he's nine yards is a, a two yard run for a first down. was all I need. Like you don't know how he gets there. He just gets there.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he's got everything. He's got power to run through tacklers. He's got speed when he gets in the open field on his 54 yard run, he juked a Clemson guy right out of his cleats. Uh, I mean, he, he can do everything. And um, David Hale up, had an updated tweet um, to to further explain just how amazing Sean Tucker has been this season. And uh, it was after the, the Syracuse Clemson game. And here's what he had to say. He said, Sean Tucker now has 1,172 scrimmage yards with 11 touchdowns through seven games this season. Other power five players to do that in the playoff era. You're going to recognize a lot of these names. Tevin Coleman, 2014, played in the NFL. Melvin Gordon, 2014, played in the NFL. Royce Freeman, 2015, played in the NFL. Leonard Fournette, 2015, NFL. Dalvin Cook, 2015, NFL. Bryce Love, 2017, NFL. Saquon Barkley, 2017, NFL. Chuba Hubbard, 2019, currently the starting running back for the Carolina Panthers with Christian McCaffrey out. So, again, he is doing stuff that few players, nobody did it last season. Nobody did it in 2018. Nobody did it in 2016. I mean, it, it's just such a rarity. And in, to your point, if Syracuse, I don't even know that they needed to be seven and zero. If they were even five and two or better, he is at worst discussed among the top Heisman candidates. But there's. There's no front-runner right now, and they've said that. Um, all the experts that are looking at who could potentially be the Heisman winner this year. Th- the overwhelming discussion has been that no one has separated themselves. There's no clear even group of players that are being monitored. And that's why if Syracuse had that record of 5-2, and 6-1, and 7-0, one, oh, one of those – that Sean Tucker would be the guy I think that everyone's looking at and saying he's the one that's kind of come out of nowhere and is a surprise front runner. So it's, it's almost unfortunate that Syracuse is sitting at three and four with three straight losses by three points, because you took away the opportunity for a type of national buzz with a Heisman trophy candidate that Syracuse frankly hasn't had in, in almost 40 years. Um, and at least, you know, 25 years or so with, uh, with Donovan McNabb, but, um, it's, he's just been unbelievable. And, and there's really not much else to say about that. The, the last thing that we'll get to is, um, the field goal at the end of the game. Um, I first want to start with the decision and then we'll get into the execution of it. Um, when when Syracuse called the timeout with 43 seconds left down by three. Were you thinking they were going to go for it or were you thinking that they sh- they were going to kick it? And when they decided to kick it, did you think it was the right decision at that time? Not afterwards, because we all know afterwards. You know, yes, we, we know at, the results. So
1: at that time, with I believe it was what, 43 seconds
0: left. we Something like that. Some,
1: it was some sort of 40 some odd seconds left, which, by the way, that drive was the worst clock management I've ever seen. I have never seen a team complete a pass and take 30 seconds to run a play. I've never seen that before. I, if we're going to just say anything about Dino, his game, his clock management is god awful. And this game was just a, a vivid image of that. Um, but with 43 seconds left, timeout, my one thought is we've got to go for it. I mean, just, a, just go for it. I don't see why not. The only way you're going to beat Clemson is going to be in regulation, I said, and everyone around me was saying, there's no way we win if we go to overtime. It's just not going to happen. We got close against Wake last week, but we couldn't do it. What everyone was saying was, if you go to overtime, Uyangalale is going to find Nada, he's going to find Ross, going to find somebody. Someone's going to get open, and it's going to be the first time the defense finally lets up. It's overtime. That's just what it looks like is going to happen. So go for it. The worst that happens is we say, okay, you went for it. Hold your hands up. This is the first time he, for some reason, finally trusts Schmidt now with a game ending field goal. When it feels like he hasn't all season in the, in a a similar light, that Schmidt has been off all season. He should have no trust in him right now. I don't get where the, all of a sudden trust in Andre Schmidt comes from. Yes. We know how good of a kicker he is. He won the Lou Groza. He, He knows how to kick a football. But he's been off this year. We don't know why. We don't know what it is. He's got the yips. He's been off. Okay. We have kicked zero field goals this game. Neither kick, like, was it? B.T. Potter has had one field goal kick and made it from 40. Schmidt's two attempts have been PATs. That is it. No field goal attempts yet, nothing. So what in his head was like, my best option right now is to kick this field goal. And I'm going to try and figure out how far it was. Uh, Do you know by chance exactly how far 47 yards? It was 40. It was 47, 48 yards. Yes. But the uh, distance to first down.
0: Oh, it was fourth and one.
1: It was fourth and one. Okay. Hypothetical for you. Something I've probably mentioned about 10 times last three episodes. Uh, Do you have a fullback by any chance? Who's pretty big and pretty strong and a running back who's leading the nation. Uh, in all-purpose yards. Do you have that or second? Do you have that by any chance? Do you know those two guys? I
0: heard a rumor Syracuse has someone like that, yeah.
1: Oh, so they have what? Chris Elmore and Sean Tucker maybe? Uh, And possibly another huge quarterback who can run the ball really well through the middle, like a Taysom Hill-style guy. Have that too maybe? So, I don't know. Hypothetical for you, Dino Babers. Um, Give the ball to Schrader, Elmore, or Tucker. Have them run straight. Have the other two shove the guy. Again, this is a really dumb thing to say, but Tom Brady and Drew Brees made a living off of this. Drew Brees, notably not as big as Garrett Schrader and notably not as strong as Garrett Schrader. Tom Brady, around the same height as Schrader, notably not as strong as Schrader is, but they get four yards on their carries. How can you not get one? I, it boggled my mind. It was everyone in the stands was like, he's going to go for it. We're going to get it. And then we're going to go and score. That's just how it's going to work. Forty three seconds left. Ample time. We got this. And what happens? No. He says, I'm going to trust Andre Schmidt. And as the kick went up, and I know we're going to discuss this. As the kick went up, from the angle I saw it at, from the other pylon, as soon as I saw it kicked, I walked away. I didn't even see what happened. I saw where it was going and said, nope, I'm out of here. I it was the most heartbreaking thing to see. And every fan went there saying we're going to storm the field afterwards. It's
0: going to be the best game. And we got that as a ending. So I'll discuss the decision first. Um, Fourth and one, when he called timeout, I also thought they were going to go for it. And now not that you should make decisions based off of this, because I don't think you should. I think you should make the decision you think is the best at the time as the head coach. But. I do think that if they had gone for fourth and one and missed it, and that's how you lost. I think most Syracuse fans would feel better about that because you were aggressive, you were trying to win and all that than missing the field goal. And part of the reason is because the fan base has clearly lost faith in Schmidt, whether or not that's fair or not, they clearly have, but The statistics kind of back it up for his career. He is making 95.7% of his field goals inside of 40 yards outside of 40 yards, 40 yards and beyond. He's only making 62% of his kicks. If you are a field goal kicker, only making 62% of your kicks, you no longer have a job. That is not a good percentage. Um, But to make matters worse. Beyond 40 yards, he was one for four this season coming in. He is now one for five. So, this is not someone who has, you know, if he's making 80% of his kicks beyond 40 yards or whatever the case is, and he just happens to miss this one, even if you disagree with the decision, I don't think you're killing the decision. But those factors, the fact that you were running the ball well, being aggressive and trying to win, and then the fact that Schmidt has not been good throughout his career, but especially this year from beyond forty yards, all of that I think is is kind of why you go for it and try to win the game. Now that said, once you make the decision to kick, you have to execute. And the fact is, whether it was the fault of the long snapper or the fault of the holder, the we had a Ray Finkel moment. Oh my! In that. I- The ball, the laces were in. And so when Schrader kicked the ball, because yes, he was wide left, um, not by a ton, but by enough. But the ball was also about 10 yards short. And even when Schmidt has missed 40 plus yard field goals, including the one against Wake Forest, distance has not been an issue. He's got the distance to get it there from about 50 to 51. Beyond that, it's a, He's he doesn't have the leg to get it there, but he can from about 48 to 50. He's got the leg to get it there. But when he's missed, it's usually been because it's been wide. This one was, like I said, 10 yards short. That means if it was a 35 yard field goal, it barely gets there. A 35 yard field goal for a division one kicker should not be a question in terms of distance. The reason which I didn't know at the time. But after seeing pictures and and video after the fact was because the laces were in and the laces are supposed to be out because it if you hit the laces first, you don't hit the ball as cleanly. So the ball doesn't have as much power behind it and it doesn't go as far as it's supposed to. But then also because if you hit the laces, that also changes the trajectory of the kick, which means that can determine whether or not it's got a funky spin on it that curves it too far left or too far right, etc. So the fact that the execution was bad, just made it that much worse. Um, as far as I'm concerned. Now, the last thing that I want to get into before we wrap up this episode is this is the third straight loss for Syracuse by three points. Each of which there was a, Field goal at the end in some capacity that had or a play at the end of the game, the very last play that either won or could have tied the game um, against Florida State. It was the the field goal from Florida State that won the game at the buzzer against um, this this most recent game against Clemson. It was the missed field goal. And then in between, it was touchdown pass by Wake Forest in overtime. There's the positive part of that, which is last year, these games, Syracuse was getting blown out. This year, they're competitive and it feels like they're the better team, even though they're not getting the wins. But then there's the negative. If you are the better team, you should be getting some of these wins. So what do you take away from that? And where does Syracuse go from here?
1: I have been the the optimistic, happy person in the two of us and been like, this team is great. They're this, that, the other. I started the episode by saying we should be 7-0 right now, and we should be. The combined score we've lost by is 19 points. We have lost by 19 total points to Rutgers, Florida State, Wake Forest, and Clemson. 19 points. Not a lot. A touchdown and four field goals. That's very manageable. Where we go from here, I, in all honesty, we have Virginia Tech, B.C., Louisville, NC State, and Pitt. Five games we have to realistically win at least four of the five, I believe, to get into a bowl game. Where we go from here is do the exact same thing we've been doing, which is just play the exact same style that we have not including this Clemson game, which is run the ball and run the ball some more and then do it a couple more times just for, you know, cherry on top. And outside of that, I don't know where we go from here in all honesty. I know I've been saying, I've been the one who's been like, Dino hasn't made many mistakes. I understand his choices here or there, but the, the choice to go field goal on fourth down with a fourth and one. I just do not understand it. And I mean, you said Schmidt can't make really is not good enough to be a college kicker from plus 40 plus yards. So why do you think in that moment with how your team has played running the ball? I don't know if Tucker had a, a carry for under zero yards. I don't know why you think it's a good idea to kick the ball. In that case, and I—I yeah. I don't know where you go. I think, and I—I I have been on the Dino is good enough train. Keep him right now. I'm—I'm going to be honest. That's at an all-time low for me. I there is Coach Ed Orgeron became available. He was an SU assistant. Dave Babers hasn't done anything to outside of a one ten win season where we had a, a excellent team to make me say.
0: He should stay on. So let me address the Ed Orgeron situation. That's not going to happen for, for several reasons, the most of which is, A, I don't think that Syracuse is moving on from Dino Babers after the season, uh, especially if they, if they continue to be competitive in games, regardless of what the final record is, because – I mean, regardless of how you're trying to spin it or not spin it, the fact is, there is dramatic improvement in terms of the team's overall um, ability, the roster makeup, the depth, all of that, and and how well it's playing, how competitive it's playing, than the last two seasons. It's it's undeniable that what you're seeing on the field, for the most part, is a better product. Now, that being said, um, the Ed Orgeron situation is... There were some off the field issues um, with him, most notably the fact that there were accusations that he lied to help cover up a sexual assault for one of his star players um, at LSU and uh, or or uh, I should say a an accused sexual assault, sexual assault allegations um, for one of his star players. And so I think, Even in a situation where Syracuse elected to move on from Dino Babers this year, or if it was next year, if if Ed doesn't go coach somewhere next season, um, I don't foresee. I think they'll talk about Ed, but I think that off the field stuff will come up and they'll immediately move on and say, we don't want to go there. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Now, that said, Ed does have a reputation of being an elite recruiter. But outside of the national title year with LSU, which obviously 15-0 and and a national title, one of the best seasons ever for, for any team, uh, that is a nice feather in your cap. But other than that, he really, ha- I mean, he had—he was 10-27 and 27 at Ole Miss, and he's basically been a 500 coach outside of that one season at LSU that gets four- and five-star recruits every year, and, rec- and they have a top-10 rated recruiting class every year. So I-, I don't envision Ed Orgeron being the guy. Syracuse it in any in any uh in any time frame um as far as where Syracuse goes from here I think where Syracuse goes is they the players and the coaching staff have to use these last three losses as fuel as motivation um, to try to get I think at least one conference win, but maybe two in the last five. If you finish five and seven, here's the other part. Going into the season, everyone said you got to get to a bowl game. If Dino wants to definitely save his job, you got to get to a bowl game. I think there's going to be some five and seven bowl teams this year. You get to five and seven, five and seven power five teams are going to get preferential treatment over five and seven non-power five teams. That's just reality. So, get to five and seven and then see if you can use your AD and his connections from his time at ESPN and all those bowl affiliations to sort of market your program to get into one of those bowl games. Now, even though you're five and seven, you have a losing record, you're in a bowl game. But I think if you're Syracuse, you, you use this to say, we played a top 20 team, went toe to toe with them. We played a Florida state team that recruits way better than we do. We were right there with them. And we played a Clemson team that is in the playoffs seemingly every year. And even though they're a bit down this year, they still have one of the best defenses in the country. They have elite offensive weapons and we went toe to toe with them. We are a good football team. And now it's up to us to win some games and prove that, but you use this as motivation uh, to try to get some of those wins. And there's also young players in a lot of positions. And I do think it's hard to learn how to win. So where does Syracuse go from here? I think if you're the coach staff and you're the players, you approach it just like that. If you're a fan, even if you are as frustrated as Kyle is with some of the decisions that Dino Babers has made, uh, this game, past games, etc., And there are some that are as frustrated and some that are much more frustrated than, than Kyle. Some that, that wanted Dino gone uh, prior to this, which I'm not sure was fair, but that's, that's a separate discussion uh, prior to the season, I should say. Um, I think you watch the rest of of the season. You see how the rest of the season plays out these last five games. And if Syracuse continues to be competitive in those games, then you ask yourself in the off season is going from a one in 10 season where we were blown out every week to a season where even though we only finished four and eight, five and seven, we were a play away from winning five of those seven losses. Uh, Maybe six of those, or even all seven of them. And so to me, that's enough to warrant giving Dino Babers another year and seeing if he can turn half of those into wins. And then you have a really good season. Um, Or if you say, well, that to me means that it's the coach that's holding the talent on this team back. So let's go in another direction to see if we can get a coach that can complement the talent that's there, that's ready to win. Um, but I still don't think, even though you're three and four, that we don't have all the information yet. And so we got to see how the rest of the season plays out and then evaluate. So where I go from here is just what I said. The, the players and the coaching staff should use it as motivation. And I still think the fan base needs to take a deep breath, chill, wait for the season to play out, have a discussion at that point. And in the meantime, go enjoy what the Red Sox are doing and focus on that. That's don't do I'll that. Say. Don't do that. <laughs> because, don't do the last part. because the Venn diagram of Red Sox fans to Syracuse fans is so large. I'm sure that there's a large percentage of people that definitely did not just turn us off after that. Yes, so. most definitely. But that'll do it for episode 13 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast, presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. I'm Mike McAllister for Kyle Leff, and we'll see you next time. Peace.